Edit that part of the message, please. But um, this morning, um, oh, if you don't own a Bible, or or you know maybe you need an extra Bible, um, you know we have Bibles for you because we believe that the Word of God is the most important thing in your life. So if you don't have a Bible this morning, we want to give you one. It's it's our gift to you. We're not going to charge you. We're not going to take it back after the service is over. You can write in it. You can put your name in it, but make sure you get in it. Amen. And you know, there's one thing. No matter what. No matter what I say here today, no matter what is preached, the message always comes back. The, the same message that my pastor preaches and teaches from this platform is the same thing. I'm telling you, if you do not know the Word of God, none of this matters anyhow. It's always going to be brought back to, you know, what do you know about the Word of God? What measure of thought and study have you given to the truth you hear? What's, where is the, the power and virtue coming? It's in the stuff that you know. It's in the stuff that you've put the time into. It's not in the stuff that I've put in. It's not in the stuff that pastors put in. You know, he's bringing stuff and, and trying to give us some insight. But until we take it home and make it real, until we begin to, to use the Word of God in everyday life, you know, the same... You know, our pastor, he's the same guy when he stands up here. If you go to his house, he's the same guy. If you meet him at Starbucks, he's the same guy every time. When, you know, when you see me out there, I, you know, I don't act any different here than I do out there. I don't act any different in business than I do when I'm up here. This is, God life is God life. It's not, I act this way in church and I live this way in church and then I go do something totally different during the week. I'm the same guy. Are you? The same person, or or is church just an event for you at, at the end of the week? But as you begin to get into the Word of God, and as you begin to let the Word transform you, like Scott was saying, you know, you become a different person. You become a different person, but you can become a different person at every level of life. And you can walk in God's life, and you can walk in the goodness of God. Amen? So this morning, um, I'm going to read some stuff from you, and... and you know, I'm going to just be totally honest with you. There's this guy, some of the material I'm going to be sharing with you this morning is, and, and he can be controversial sometimes, but some of the information I'm going to give you this morning is from Joel Olstein. And, um, and for me personally, the first time I ever saw Joel Olstein on TV, I really had a hard time with this guy. You know, he's just a different kind of guy, and, and I couldn't watch him, so I didn't. So I didn't even listen to none of his stuff. And some of you guys know I'm talking, I'm just being honest, you know. But a, a good friend of mine gave me a book one time about a year ago, and it had Joel Steen, it was and it was it's called It's Your Time and it's a devotional that he did. And um and I we began to use that uh book as our devotion at work. And man, the guy really has some good stuff. And so I'm gonna share some of this good stuff with you. And so and since then, so now if he comes on TV, I just don't look at the TV, but I listen to his stuff. Alright? So anyhow, I'm joking. But anyhow, so let me read this to you. And and the title of my message this morning is You Become What You Believe. You are becoming what you believe. You're what, what you put yourself into. It's going to become your reality. So we want to make sure that we're putting ourselves into what, what God has called us to do. Amen? So this story is called, Great Expectations Make for Great Lives. Jesus explained in Matthew 9.29 that we will, have, we will have what our faith expects. Too often we expect the worst instead of believing for the best. A friend told me about his wife who always seemed to think bad guys were prowling around their home. At least once a week, she'd wake him up, claiming she heard a burglar downstairs. She'd stay on him until he got down, or until he'd go down and check it out every time. This went on for years and years and years, and finally one night she did it again. Get up, get up, somebody's downstairs. 
a patient man, way more patient than I would be, he followed the routine just as he had done a thousand times before. But this time he was met at the bottom of the stairs by a real burglar who put a very real gun between his eyes. Thank you, Jesus. My friend did as he was told, handing over the jewelry and cash. The burglar took the goods and was about to run off when my friend stopped him. Hey, wait a minute. You can't leave yet, he said. You should come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting for you for 30 years. She got what she expected. She got what she was, she was looking for, and she got it. He says, don't be like my friend's wife. Expect God's favor. I know people who are being talked into having a bad year. They've, they've listened to the news reports so long they're expecting their finances to go down. They're expecting to barely get by. Yet their attitude should be, I'm expecting to have the best year I've ever had so far. I'm expecting God to prosper me in the desert. I'm expecting every negative situation to turn around. Is that what you're expecting for your life? Man, that's what I'm expecting for my life. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting God to show up. I'm expecting God to do and finish and complete the work that he has started in me. And you know what's crazy about it? You guys get to watch it. And sometimes that makes me uncomfortable. But, you know, I'm growing up in the things of God with you guys. You know, eight years ago, I didn't have a job. And it was about the same time that um, Pastor was switching jobs. And so we were both unemployed together. And so... I just locked shields with my pastor, and I said, well, this is a good way for me to see what it's like to walk with God when you don't have a job, because he didn't have a job either. So I just I just hooked on his bell loop and started hanging out with my pastor. I'd, I'd been serving with him for years, but it, at that time, it gave us, I got to spend a lot of time with him. You know, we got to build a real relationship. So um, I just started walking with him, and he began to teach me, this is how we do it. This is how we live God life. The stuff that he's teaching you. Is the same stuff that he's been teaching ever since I've known him. And so I started my business at the same time that we started this church. And my, and my business has just grown right along with the church. As I've committed more of my life to God, my business has seen the fruit of that. And so now I have a, I have a business that's grown, it's thriving. And we built it right in the middle of recession. Not that Tri-Cities really saw a great recession. But, but, you know, but I choose not to believe what the world says. I choose to believe what God says uh, that, that's what I'm going to agree with. That's what I'm going to get into agreement with. And also what I learned is, you know, I remember back when I started my business, and um, I actually started my business on my knees. And, and I don't mean in prayer. I was actually on my porch. Uh, I have a fabrication business. I had a little 110 welder and a little uh, drill press I had plugged in on the back porch and a little chop saw, and that's how Wilkerson Welding started. And I built my first gate for Will Ogenen. He's not here today. He's a bricklayer, and he built brick fences around people's pools and he said hey i got a job for you and you know it was like three hundred dollars and i spent like four days building this gate you know i mean i slaved over it and it was perfect and everything and by the time it was over i didn't make no money but i was starting out and back then my vision was man i just got to feed my family you know i gotta i need some work i'm gonna feed my family i'm gonna i'm gonna do this and I just began to, to walk with God, and I began to do what my pastor told me to do, and I began to speak the things that, that God's Word was saying to speak, and I just began to, I, I lashed on to God. I didn't have anything else to hang on to. Amen? And so, as I began to do that, my, my business began to grow, and, and, and Rod began to help me, and Rod came to work with me, and, and we started building the business, and, and God just started bringing in the work, and, and now there's 
five or six guys working and, and we're doing good things. But what God, God has changed my vision and he's changed my heart towards my business. Because I don't look at it anymore as the fact that I'm building a business. It's just an extension of my life. See, my, my church life and my God life, it flows right into my business. It flows right over into that. And, and now my, my goals and my, my vision, my thoughts about my business, they have changed. Because what, what, now what I want to do is I want to build men. I don't want to build a business. And these men come in. I want to teach them how to, to live God life. I want to show them that this is what a godly man looks like. You don't have to be a wimp. You can still be a godly man. And you can, uh, you know, you don't have to be a wussy. Amen? And what's up, Ron? Your problem? Okay, so you don't have to be a wussy. But um, so, you know, because this is the thing is, is if we can get men thinking right, being the leaders of the home that they're supposed to be, God, get their, their, their right thoughts towards God, get their, their, their heart whole and healthy, the business part of it's going to take care of itself. Because when we're healthy, when the men of God are healthy, it, everything else flows. We're the head, not the tail. When we, you know, my family, they follow me wherever I go. They follow me. When, if, if I come home and I do something stupid, it can ruin the whole night because I'm leading this thing. I can come home, and, I, and I've done it before. Come home with a frown on your face and see how your family reacts to it. Come home smiling, ready, excited about life. It, it reflects in your family. This is, goes for every single one of us. You know, there are people in your world, in your circle of influence, that none of us are going to ever come in contact with. You, you are their key to knowing who God is. You are their key to being successful in life. You know they're not in here this morning. You come here every week. For those of you who come every week and, you know, or that are members here, you get to hear the word of God spoken, truth spoken in here every single week. Do you take a measure of thought and study to the truth you hear today? Do you take a measure of thought and say, are you making it real in your life so that when you meet other people and when the people that are around you, do you act like the people that are not saved or are you influencing them? Are they seeing something different in your life? As a kid at about, you know, 16, 17 years old, I was looking at the lives of the Christian people and I was looking at the lives of the people that weren't going to church and weren't serving God. And there wasn't a whole lot of difference except for they came to church. Well, I'd rather be riding my dirt bike. If, if it's not going to change your life, it's, if it doesn't matter, if it doesn't mean anything, why in the world would you go spend your time in church? And I couldn't figure that out because I would see people in the church on the weekend and then I would see them during the week and they were two different people. And it just made no sense to me. So at 17, I moved out of the house so my mom quit making me go to church. But she made sure that I was in the house of God. So I moved out and that's why I moved out of my house. So they would quit making me go to church. And to me, that's sad. That's sad that that's that we're not taking what we learn in here and we're making it real life. This is what I preach about my pastor. He's taken the word of God and he showed me how to just live it. We're just living it. We're just we're not two different people. We, you know, you don't come in here and then be somebody else next week. Amen. So so we can take the word of God and we can make it real and we can make it fruitful. And there's people's lives that are depending on us. To take what we're learning in here and make it real so that they can know who God is. Because they, they may not ever step through the door of a church, but you may plant some seeds in their heart that someday they may say, you know what, God, I need you. And that's what this is all about. That's all this is about. This is about lost souls. That's why we do this. That's why you're here. This is not about you. This is about others. Our Christian walk is about others. It is not about you. 
God's already done it. It's a finished work. We have everything we need to live this life, a life of godliness. It's provided. It's a done deal. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. He defeated death, sickness, poverty, everything. It's done. All we got to do is get in the word of God and make it real in our lives and live it. It's done. God has done everything that he's going to do. He did it. It was finished when Jesus rose from the dead. All we got to do is get in there, get the word and begin to live it regardless of what it looks like in the world. Amen. Whew, that wasn't even in my notes, so let's get going. Matthew 9, 29, and 30 in the NIV. And this is where I got the, 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 uh, the title from a message this morning. It said, Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. And that's in the NIV version. And myself personally, I like the message, and I think that they should have named the message the Bible for dummies because... It says it in a way that I can understand it, and so it's, it's good. So I want to read this to you in the message, Matthew nine twenty seven through 31. And it said, And Jesus left the house. He was followed by two blind, two blind men crying, Mercy, son of David, mercy on us. When Jesus got home, the blind men went in with him. Jesus said to them, Do you really believe I can do this? They said, Why, yes, master. And he touched their eyes and said, Become what you believe. It happened, and they saw. He touched their eyes and said, Become what you believe. It happened, they saw. Say, It happened. They saw. It happened. They saw. If you don't get anything else out of this this morning, get this that you know what? God wants to touch your eyes this morning. God wants to touch your eyes. He wants you to see. What he sees. He wants to take the scales off. The the stuff that the world is putting out in front of us. It is not the truth. Guys, it is not the truth. God's truth is what's going to matter in life. And God wants to take. He wants to touch your eyes. So that you can see what he sees. And then say. And then say. The end say part is critical. Because what you're saying is what you're getting to agreement with. What you're saying is who you're becoming. What you're saying is becoming your reality. What you're describing in life, that's, that's going to that's gonna affect your life. You are going to become what you're saying. So he wants you to say what he says. Then you can do what he does. And you could be what he bees. And you can live the life that he's intended for you to live. There's an awesome scripture that I have. Uh, pastor taught this scripture to me. And it was one that he quoted. So I just started quoting it. And I just kept quoting over. And I use it daily. I use it all the time. Ask Rod. He's, he's around me a lot. We're around each other more than we are our families. And when something's going on, man, I am quoting the Word of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm ready for anything that comes my way. When it looks like things aren't going the right way, I am not getting into agreement. with. I put my entire trust in the Master Jesus so I can live the way I was meant and my whole house too. So let's read this. Um, and, and in this, this scripture, you've got to realize what was going on here. This is Paul and Silas. They are in prison. They are pr- in prison when this is going on. They're not, life's not good. They're not hanging out in their homes and their families. They're in prison. There's a great earthquake. And the jails shake. The gates fly open. The, the cells are open. And, and they could have left if they wanted to, but they didn't. And so the jailer that was there, he was all freaked out. Because if they'd have left, he, they, you know, they would have killed him. 
But so he's freaked out and says the jailer got uh, got a torch and ran inside badly shaken. He collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to be saved? And I think that, that sometimes as Christians, we get in that mode. What do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do? We're looking for the minimum that we can do to slide under the pearly gates. You know, I don't want to live life like that. Do you want to live like that? I don't want to just slide in under the pearly gates. You know, in tithing, what's the, you know, what's the minimum I can give to be obedient to God? What's the minimum I can give? That Man, I'm not going to live my life like that. I'm not looking for the minimums. I'm looking for every opportunity that God's got. Is this where it's at? Is this where I'm supposed to, to help these people? Is this where I'm supposed to give? Is this where I'm supposed to, to be going? God, what, what can I do in my business? As employers, most of you guys know, you've worked for people. What are they doing? They're trying to get the most out of you for the least amount of money as possible. God has really changed my heart towards this. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to, to, to employ my guys at the highest level I can possibly employ them and still carry on a business that can still move forward and can still grow. I want their lives to be a reflection of working for a man who serves God. I don't want to be to live up on the hill in a mansion and be be taken care of and have everything I need. And then my the guys that work with me for them to be struggling from week to week, from paycheck to paycheck. I want their life to reflect the same thing that my life reflects, because God has been good to me. I don't need anything. But you know what? My attitude was the same back when I had nothing. So you can take my stuff because it wasn't very long ago that I didn't even have a job. But I live in the same life. So my, my, my life and my, and my thanks to God is not dependent on my stuff. I love my stuff. I love to ride my motorcycle. I love it. It would be really hard to get rid of my motorcycle. But you know what God told me to? I was talking to a guy this morning. He's like, why don't you give me your other one? And I'm like, you know what? If God shows up at the foot of the bed as a ghostly figure and says, give that bike away, buddy, it's yours. So I'll know what level of prayer you're at. If he shows up, but if he doesn't, not my fault, it's yours. But, you know, but what I'm saying is my stuff does not determine my thankfulness and my gratefulness to God because he has taken care of me. But now I just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. But now I'm also looking for every opportunity that I can to bless somebody. God, is this where it's at? God, is this where I'm supposed to be given? God, is this where I'm supposed to help this person? Are you trying to do something in this person's life and I need to stay away from it? Or, God, am I the one that you're going to use to bless this person so that they can see the goodness of God? I'm looking for this. I'm talking to God. God, how much can I pay my guys? God, what's, what's a good business decision here? You know, what, how can I bless their lives? How can they be an extension? I want people knocking on my door to come to work for me because they see the goodness of God. Because they see what God can do. When you serve God, this is what your life looks like. So um, he said, so he said, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved to really live? I want to really live. I want the people around me to really live. I want them to live God life. I want them to live Zoe life. I want them to be blessed. Amen. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? That's what I want. It says, and, and these are just some questions that, um, that I asked myself. So I just put them all together in, in one paragraph here, and I'm going to read them to you. It says, what am I meditating on? What am I thinking about? What do I fill my mind with? What do I read? What do I say? What do I talk about? When wrong thoughts come, what do I do? Do I stop, take those thoughts captive? Do I stop and give a measure of thought and study to the truth I've heard, to the word I've heard? 
Do I take that word into God's presence and get into agreement with God on that word? What is forming what I believe? What kind of friends do I have? Do they move me towards God? Do they move me? Do I move them towards God? How is my heart? Is it tuned into God's way of doing and being right? Do I put my faith in my fears? Do I say things like I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job? I doubt this marriage will last. I do realize, and this is what we need to do. We need to realize that our words show whether we're choosing faith or whether we're choosing fear. The things that comes out of our mouth, it's obvious. You know, you can, you can, I mean, all you have to do is be around somebody for a little while and you'll know where their, where their maturity level with God is. And I've taught this to my kids since they were little and I've said it every time that I've spoken here and I've taught it to you. You, know, you are responsible. You know, so I would tell my kids, you know, you guys, you are responsible for your actions regardless of what anybody else is doing. You know what, guys, you are responsible for your relationship with God no matter what's going on in your life. You are exactly where you have prepared your heart to be. You are exactly where the choices and the decisions you make concerning the word of God, what you're going to believe and what you're not going to believe. You are exactly where it's your it's your job. We cannot do it for you. We can just share with you. This is what the word of God says. You can take it and you can make it your own and you can live God life or you can walk out of here and you can do whatever you want to do. But I can tell you this. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what you're up against. I don't care what you're facing. I mean, I care for you, but I don't. That situation is not bigger than my God. That situation is not. And, and as I reflect on this, sometimes it just like it kind of freaks me out because, you know, what? I don't. The stuff that I went through in my past, it has no place in my future. I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. I don't go back there. Sometimes I go back and we remember, hey, you remember, you know what? God has delivered us from that. I've been into drugs and alcohol. I've almost OD'd before. Uh, I've been in uh, drug deals where there's guns being pulled, could have been shot. I've wrecked cars. Um, uh, my mom had cancer, used to deliver, drive her up to Seattle for cancer. God healed her of cancer. That's been 20 years ago. Me and my wife were separated for three years, guys. For three years, I lived with another woman. She moved to Texas, lived with another guy. Three years we were separated. We've been married 27 years. We were one paper away from being divorced. One paper in just, a, just maybe a week, and it would have been a done deal. We're divorced. God restored our marriage. I've been through. I've been broke. I've had not enough money to feed my family. When I left and went to this ranch, when I finally turned my life over to God, I had two boxes of clothes. That's what I owned. That's it. So I've been broke. I've been down. I've been out. I've been under the oppression of the, I've, I've, I've experienced all these things and it's really crazy to me because when I think about it now, it doesn't bother me because it's made me who I am and now I can stand up in front of you and, you know, if you don't believe it, I'm sorry, but I've lived it and I've walked through it and God has delivered me every single time. And so if there's something that you're struggling with in life, it's just because you just, all you gotta do is get it lined up with the Word of God. And trust God. I put my entire trust in the Master Jesus so I can live the way I was meant and my whole house too. And see, I quote them scriptures over my kids. You know, I'm, I'm praying for my kids because I raised my kids in church and they're not living the way that I think that they should be living. And they're making some choices that I, I don't think they're God choices. I think they're their own personal choices. But you know what? I believe that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to let that go. Uh, my children are taught, Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. I refuse to get into agreement with anything else. I don't care what it looks like. I do not care what it looks like. This is what the Word of God says. This is what I'm going to live my life by. And God is going to come through. He always has. 
Always, 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 always. Never has he let me down. Does it always come overnight? Nope. But I ain't going to give up. I'm not going to cave in and I'm not going to quit. God has a plan for my life. And, and see, when I pray, my plan is to, is to give you a hope and a future. So when I think about my kids, that's not hopeful to me. So God has a hope for my future. So that means that they have to serve God because he's answering my prayer. He's going to answer my prayer. So I don't care what decisions they're making. We can look at that. He has promised me that he's going to restore back to me what the devil has tried to steal. He's going to turn evil into good if I will just trust him. I can do that for everyone that I know. God's answering my prayers, and I believe it. So I don't, it doesn't matter what they're doing. God's going to answer my prayers, so he's going to do whatever he needs to do to make sure that the word that I'm speaking over my family comes to pass. We can do that in every area of life, guys. Every area of life. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. When it's the hardest, that's when you're probably closest to your breakthrough. Keep after it, guys. Keep after it. God has your best interest in mind. God loves you more than you know. I don't think we're ever going to know until we get to heaven how much we had available to us that we just didn't believe, that we just didn't walk in. Amen? So um, I'm going to read something else to you for, uh, uh, from Joel Olstein. It says, every day, all through the day, I have choices. I can believe in God, that God is in control, believe that he's taking care of me, and believe that good things are in store. Or I can go around worried and expecting, worse, expecting the worst, wondering if I will make it. I refuse to think like that. This is what fear says. Fear says that pain in your side. You know, you think, oh, man, I got this pain in my side. Remember grandma? She had that pain in her side right before she died. You know, this is probably the end of me. You know, we can get into agreement with that stuff. Or we can say, faith says this illness is not permanent. It's only temporary. God is my healer. God is my healer. And we can lock onto that or we can lock into the fact that, that grandma died from a pain in her side. Fear says business is slow. I'm going under. I refuse to get into agreement with that. Because business can be slow in these times. It can be. But you know what? My God is bigger than a slow business. Faith says God is supplying all my needs. That's what I'm going to connect with. That's what I'm going to speak. If you come and talk to me about my business, I am not going to speak anything but the truth of it. Have you ever talked to your pastor? Have you ever asked him how you doing or what's going on? Or have you ever, ever, what does he say when you say, how you doing? Beautiful. You know what? I've never asked my pastor something. And has he ever said, ah, dang it, you know what? You cannot believe what my kids are doing. You know, you can't believe it. My finances are, you know, they just are not where they need to be. Never, ever. Ever. I've been running with him for 15 or 16 years now, and never, ever has he ever gave me that response. Ever. When somebody asks you, how are you doing? Do you get into agreement with the Do you? We go right to the bad part of our life. We go right to the struggle that we're having. Oh, I ain't going to make it. My wife, she's so mean to me. You know what? Don't go there. Go to the Word of God. Get into agreement with that. And... Live. Really live. God wants real life. Come on, guys. Fear says, you've been through too much. You'll never be happy. You know, I could have gotten to agreement with that one a long time ago. Faith says, your best days are still in front of you. Guys, your best days are still in front of you. 
Your best days are still in front of you. It doesn't matter where you're at today. Your best days can still be in front of you. The key is what I meditate on takes root. If I go around all day thinking about my fears and play them over and over in my mind, they will become my reality. I will become what I believe, what I speak. That's what Job said when he warned us, what I feared the most has come upon me. Job warned us, don't get into agreement with the things that you fear. Get into agreement with the things of God. What am I giving my life to? Psalms 86.4. Guys, what are we giving our lives to? Are we giving our lives to that? Are we giving our lives to what we see, what we feel, what we smell, what we taste? Or are we giving it to the Word of God? In Psalms 86.4 in the NLT, it says, Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. Are we giving ourselves to the Lord? Are we giving ourselves to the Word of God? CEV says, Make my heart glad. I will serve you, and my prayer is sincere. You know what? How many of you guys have said the jailhouse prayer before? doesn't mean you're in jail to say the jailhouse prayer. You've all been in situations. I've actually said the jailhouse prayer. And I know there's some other guys in here, too, because I've talked to you. And there's some of you that should have had to say the jailhouse prayer, but you just didn't get caught. But um, but we've all, and when I say the jailhouse prayer, it's when you get in a situation. It's like, you know, back maybe when you weren't as mature in God and you, you got in a situation, it's like, oh, God, if you'll get me out of this, Lord, I'll serve you the rest of my life, God. Get me out of this. You know, right when they're taking you to jail or the bank's coming to get your car. You know, it's too late then. But have you said that prayer? Tell me you've said that prayer. I'm not the only one in here. I've said that prayer. But you know what? I remember. Thank you, brother. I remember. The day, though, that I said that my prayer was sincere, I remember the day that my heart was sincere. All right, God, I'm done. I'm done doing this my way. If you can make something out of this hole that I've dug myself into, I will serve you the rest of my days. I will serve you the rest of my life. That happened back in 1990, and I was under the influence of alcohol when it happened. I gave my life to God for real when I was drunk. But I knew it. There was a moment. I don't know how it, that happens. I, there was a moment in time where it was just like my life had finally come to the place where it was like, you know, I am through doing this my way, God. If you can fix this, then fix it. And my life has never been the same since. When it was sincere, God, God, he, make my heart glad. I serve you and my prayer is sincere. When your prayer is sincere, when it's not you just trying to get something out of God, he answers your prayer. When you know it, you know it in your heart when it's a sincere prayer. And he knows it too. And when it's sincere, he moves. He moves and he answers. So let me read you something else from somebody. Who do you think it's from? Yeah, you guys can say it. You can talk. Yeah. Okay. Joel Osteen. So it says, psychologists did a study in which they gave a group of people a mild electric shock. I wish I would have been the guys giving them the shock. Researchers measured their brain waves from the time they heard they were going to be shocked to the time it was over. What's interesting is that they had another group in the room just watching. They measured their brain waves as well. Even though they were not getting the shock, they experienced the same fears of those who were getting jolted. I think this is funny. Just seeing fear in others can make us afraid, the researchers reported. A similar study found that we can catch each other's good and bad emotions just like we can catch a cold. The study at Harvard followed nearly 5,000 people for more than 20 years. This is good research. The research found that happy people pass on their good moods to others. They don't e- to others they don't even know. 
And those good feelings can last as long as a year. The same study found that unhappiness can be passed on too. But that sort of infection seems to be weaker than the happy version. The scientist said that a friend's happy face has a more positive influence on you than a $5,000 raise. How many of you guys would like to have a $5,000 raise? Would that impact your life? They researched said a smile can impact your life more than $5,000 raise. I want to be in that case study. Has anybody got $5,000? They want to give to me? No? Okay, then smile at me. Everybody smile. Okay, so that's better than $5,000. I just made a lot here. So, and it says, um, the, the message is that even, even in tough economic times, hanging out with happy friends, family members, can keep your spirits high. And when I look at this, I think about this, yeah, what, hang out with happy people. What, what happens when you hang out with people who know who they are in Christ? People that speak the word. People that know who God is. People know that God, what God has called to. What happens when you hang out with them people? It ain't just happy. Man, it's conviction from God. And when you lock shields with them and you walk with them and you get yourself around them, they pick you up. You know, the local church saved my life. So people that think the church is not important, that's fine. But for me... The local church saved my life because I began to hook up with the right people. I began to walk with the right people. And when, when I was struggling, I could reach out to somebody and say, hey, you know what? This, this is not working in my life. And they say, well, come on. Let me show you how that works. This is what we do. This is how we live life. That's what this local church is about. It's about relationships with one another. It's not about coming to church on Sunday. The way where you get most effect out of a church is what you do outside of church with those people. That you walk with them through day-to-day, everyday life. And, and you build that relationship with That's where we get most of our fruit. Yeah, we can come in here and hear the Word of God, and that's great. But the relationships that I've built outside of here on a one-to-one basis where we do stuff together and we talk about the things of God together and we encourage one another, that's the fruit of being in the local body. That's the fruit of being planted in a house. And I just believe that we should be here as often as we possibly can. I believe that. I'm here as often as I possibly can. Yeah, we take a vacation here and there and we do stuff like that. But we're here. If we're in town and and we're not working, you know, and most of the time I don't have to work on Sunday because I'm the boss. Um, but there's times where we have to get some stuff done. We're on a timeline and we don't. But, if, if, you know, I know that you guys have jobs. But if you're not at work or you're not dead, you probably ought to be here. Every opportunity you get. And you ought to be serving here. When I began to, to go after God, the first thing I did was begin to serve in the local church because I knew somebody was counting on me to be here. And then what that did is it made me get here, and then I locked shields with people, and then I began to grow, and I began to build relationships. And, and because it's easy for you to walk in the door, say hi to people, and walk back out the door, and nothing changes. But when you come in and you begin to serve, people begin to begin to know who you are, and you begin to realize who they are. Then we help each other, and we build each other, we grow each other. Amen. Amen. So what am I giving? Do I, uh, the other thing, do I have a hat? How's your heart? Am I supposed to be done 10, 15? Okay. We got three minutes, guys. Here we, here we go. All right. So um, it says, do I have a happy heart? John 15, 9 through 11. Love and joy perfected is what the, the heading on this is. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, I will abide. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What are you abiding in? What are you, what are you filling your heart with? These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. God wants your, your heart to be full of joy. 
Because it affects the people around us. And it affects your life. Let me read you this thing. It says, do you know moods affect your health? Jeff, a friend of mine, found this out the hard way. His co-workers decided to play a trick on him. And this is something that could happen in my shop. This could be a trick that could happen, and Rod would be the one that instigated it. It wouldn't be me. It would be Rod. Because if you guys don't know Rod, he's not as nice as he looks. He's a practical joker. Am I right? Do you guys that know him? Absolutely. I love these times because... When he talks smack to me, I always tell him, one of these days I'm going to be on the platform and I'm just going to point you out and I'm just going to throw you under the bus. So this is the day. But anyhow, so Jeff, he went to work one morning feeling great, just as happy as can be. When he walked, when he walked in, the receptionist asked, are you feeling okay today? Yeah, I feel great, Jeff said. Why do you ask? I don't know, the receptionist replied. You just look a little different. You look a little bit pale. He didn't think much about her her remark, he just went to his office. Ten minutes later, another co-worker said, Are you tired? You don't look up to par. No, I feel fine, Jeff insisted. After a few minutes, though, he thought, Maybe I am a little tired. After another co-worker strolled in, they talked for a moment. Then he said, Jeff, do you have a fever? You really look warm. Jeff put his hand on his forehead, loosened up his tie. You know what he said? I'm feeling kind of hot. Finally, one last co-worker piled it on with Jeff. You look terrible today. What's wrong with you? By 10 in the morning, Jeff was home under the covers. He was out for a week. They talked him into being sick. What great friends, huh? Great friends. But this is what, this, this is what the coolest thing is. And man, I'm out of time. This is what the cool thing about us is if, if, if we can talk our way into defeat. If we can talk our way into a bad life, we can talk our way out of it. We can talk our way out of it. This is what I, the point I want you guys. You can talk your way out of whatever situation you're in, and that's not talking about what you're in. It's talk. It's about talking about what God's word says. This is what God's word says. So I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna close. You know the the power of our words. If we don't guard our minds and be careful about what we allow our brain, in our brains, we can be talked into all sorts of mayhem. Fill your mind with thoughts of victory. Just as you can be talked into having a bad year, you can be talked into having a great year. Yes, fear is contagious, but the good news is faith is even more contagious. Victory is viral. Joy spreads like the flu bug. That's why it's so important to get around other faith-filled people on a regular basis. Get your hiney to church. Come to the events. Get committed. Get connected. Serve with us. If you'll, in this moment, I'll give you a dose of good news. You know what's happened today? You're not catching a cold. You're catching a healing. You're not catching defeat. You're catching victory. You're not catching despair. You're catching hope. You're catching a bigger vision. You're catching God's favor. Remember, he touched their eyes and said, become what you believe. It happened, and they saw. Guys, he's touching our eyes today. It's happening. We can see. It's happening. We can see. Allow God to touch your eyes. Open your eyes to the goodness of God. Amen? Close your eyes this morning. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you're touching our eyes so that we can see.